Juan Schumer is a Brazilian biotechnologist renowned in the San Pedro community for his distribution of seed collected from both the wild and alongside First Nations communities, as well as his impressive garden and collection of tissue cultures. Juan sees psychedelic mainstreaming as a source of power for First Nations people and cultures, and as an opportunity to reconnect humans and their environment for the benefit of Mother Earth. This is an exciting narrative to hear, as concerns around psychedelic tourism seem to be very popular. Prohibition is an oppression of culture. It may be a controversial topic, but Juan's perspective on peyote harvest is very interesting. It is easy to blame people who harvest, consume and share plants, but really, it's a problematic system that is to blame for our social and environmental dilemma. Environmental reform and drug reform are intertwined. One thing I do want to point out to listeners is that while Juan talks of First Nations Australians and psychedelics, there are no public First Nations Australian voices confirming traditional use of acacia in a way that produces psychedelic effect. I'll link to the closest thing we have to evidence of traditional use of DMT acacia for psychoactive effect in the podcast description, a paper called Magolombidge, First People of Mount Buffalo. Please help support the podcast and my other ethnobotanical work at my Patreon. Thanks. Now, I know you as Juan Schumer, but I also think that might be a play on the the term Huachuma. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, cool, cool. The name, the, name, the story of the name, uh, my real name is Arthur. Um, but uh, I, I started uh, with the plants a long, long time ago. Back on that time, there were forums like the shaman australis and we always had avatar for our names so when i went to the facebook i i need some kind of avatar to manage uh, these groups and working with people and and not have all my real life and connected it's something that i was working as like the groups and forums underground that I used to to be, like Shumery and stuff. And so I, I designed a Wanchuma that is meaning Wachuma. Yeah, it's a great name. It's a great name. A part of me kind of dreamed that it would be your your real name, but it's it's still good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, and uh, Shumak also comes from the Quechua, means uh, power, energy. Also, it has this connection with the Andes and Quechua, working with the cactus, like a traditional name. <laughs> yeah, wow. And and so you, you're in Brazil, right? Yeah, and and is that where you you grew up uh, and your family are living there, or um, what's what what's your your uh, your background and your your connection with this culture? 
I basically I'm Brazilian. I I was born here. Um I, I really like living in Brazil because here it's a very good place to grow all kind of plants. So I have a, here uh, a collection of plants, fruits, tropical, uh, vines. So basically now I'm living in the middle of nowhere in a very small city in Brazil up in the mountains where I have the good environment to grow many kinds of plants. Uh, so that's my choice to be in an isolated place uh, in the mountains where I can have a more connection with the, the nature. And Brazil give me this opportunity to grow huge trees, palms. And here we are working a lot with the agroforestry system that basically it's an evolution, we can say, of the philosophy of the permaculture that mm. came from Australia, from Bill Mollison and stuff. And here it's this very good place with beautiful people work with agriculture. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some um, pretty impressive photos of your, your garden um, on your Instagram, I think. Looks like you've got a variety of delicious fruits and um, magical plants, even ones from Australia. I've noticed you growing some acacia, all sorts of uh, things you mightn't expect in Brazil. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the design of this uh, agroforest, I decided to design my personal agroforest dedicated to the sacred plants. So basically, we have a, a, a garden that I'm now doing only two years that I was able to, to have my own land, a piece of land to grow the plants inside an environment. But and now we are making uh, agroforest dedicated to the sacred plants. So we have the, the ayahuasca, the chacruna, uh, and also a, a collection of the Amazonia plants as dragon blood. And I have been to the Amazon uh, with the Huni Queen a few times. So we brought also healing herbs from the jungle that we take bath, different eye drops. And we are now making a, a forest that we, we call it's a medicinal park. The idea. <laughs> Wow. It's a medicinal park. Uh, uh, it's happening now. The, the Yawanawa chief, Kasiki uh, Hockey, came to our house from the Amazon to this village because where I live, it's an international village also. Besides being very small, uh, here it's a very spiritual place where there is many churches of ayahuasca, and there is a many ceremonies uh, for people who is listening. You can imagine it's like a Brazilian Pisac. Pisac in Peru, in the Sacred Valley, it's also a small town uh, where there is an international community living there. And with this focus of the ayahuasca tourism that we may talk uh, later, uh, but... Um, 
this small city where I live is just like this. So we have Germans, uh, Americans, Italians, uh, people from Asia, all over the world settle here for the culture of the plants and uh, spirituality, yoga, uh, uh, vegan food and organic food. So we have this connection here where I am. And basically now I have this place where I can grow the plants and make my small forests. So that the chief Yawanawa came because we have these connections in my city. And he was told to find all the Amazon plants <laughs> that they need, especially. In the Amazonian culture of the, after ayahuasca ceremony, in the Amazon, the indigenous, they give you a bath with a her healing herbs. So I, I brought a few kinds. So when there is ayahuasca ceremony here, the indigenous are coming to my house. This is very beautiful for me because what we we had in dream, in mind to, to plant these plants to serve the community is already happening. So the idea of the medicine park is to have the sacred plants when people need, they can come, take a eye drop, take a leaf to take a bath or uh, make a tea. Wow, wow, that's uh, it's so amazing that you have this diversity of plants and culture and uh, it sounds so fascinating to me in so many ways. Uh, and I, I guess, because a lot of the things when I hear about ayahuasca tourism or psychedelic tourism and things like this, often there's a lot of people saying negative things about it. Uh, but it sounds like your experience of psychedelic tourism uh, or, you know, ethnobotanical tourism, it sounds like it's bringing value to your community and traditional cultures is that is that right yes it's because uh, at some point what i my perspective is i started santo daime when i was 18 years old um, there was a church 10 kilometers from the house where i grew up in brazil santo daime it's a normal church where you find them in most cities uh, big centers you'll find all. So I started with Santo Daime very early with the drinking uh, Santo Daime ayahuasca. So when I started traveling to Peru, I had a background how to to manage the the psychoactive plants and uh, and the way that we're doing this with respect and always uh, trying to find the, the good sources because there's lineage where we must follow a way that is written that was left for us from the Asian uh, communities. So what is happening in the tourists many times people fell in the hand of people not prepared to work with plants because the work with plants, it's managed by traditional communities and not only traditional, but at the chief. And the chief uh, come especially in shamanism from a lineage of his family 
or for training of generations. So uh, it's really important to find a good connection with a true people. And tourism, it's a huge uh, number of people trying to, to share these uh, ceremonies. That sometimes is the problem if people go to the wrong places. That's the point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and so trying to think, because for, for example, I, I often encounter people that are really interested in traveling overseas for a, an experience of some sort. Uh, and I wonder if they wanted to come to Brazil, what would be your advice to them so they could do it in a way that was respectful, um, both for culture and plants? Uh, here in Brazil, every two years, I, I belong here to another ayahuasca church in my city. It's called Templo Mãe d'Agua. Our madrinha passed away last year. Uh, her name was Iatra. Iatra is really famous in the international community because she realized ayahuasca in Holland in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So she's really famous for the, the OG ayahuasca crew and everybody knows her. And she founded a, a church here in the city where I live. It's called Alto Paraíso, the city. That means high paradise. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, every two years, this church makes a, a festival. It's called Condor Eagle Festival. That's a good opportunity for people who want to, to make a tourism for uh, finding themselves uh, together with a tribe. So the, the Condorigo Festival, they invite the Rui Harika from Mexico for his uh, peyote ceremony. And then they invite the Huni Queen from the Brazilian Amazon. And then they invite the Kofan from the, the Colombia for his medicine and come blood and Rudy, our grandmother, grandfather of uh, Aguacoya, San Pedro from Ecuador. And then you have different leaders of different ethnies from different uh, villages in a gathering. It's very beautiful. Uh, last year we had, and uh, this year in January, it was a beautiful, this is a, a good experience, uh, people who want to come to Brazil. There's also today in the Amazon, for those who want to experience the jungle, the forest, they can come to Brazil and go to the Hunicuin, Yawanawa, Kuntanawa, uh, Shanenawa villages. It's amazing. It's amazing. You go to get a flight, Rio Blanco, and then you drive a few hours to the borders, cities where there is already the villages of the indigenous. And they make ceremonies with ayahuasca native only in their language. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, uh, Children drinking woman, man, old, everybody together and singing very powerful in the Amazon. And there is groups 
So there's festivals like Escawata Kayaway Festival uh, from Chief Ninawapai da Mata. They receive once a year a group. So you stay 10 days in the forest. There are ceremonies every two days. And you are holding a sacred space. That's what we were trying to talk, that uh, you are in a place safe by the prayers of uh, the chief and of course, the Westerns also looking for you because uh, the, the bad experience with the plants is very related with the set and setting. Uh, remember from the, the psychology and um, uh, wrong settings uh, lead us to bad experience. And what are the, so you said these some of these festivals that have a very kind of um, international, culturally diverse uh population of the people that are going and and you finding that's the same in uh well like what's the what's the audience like when you're traveling to these indigenous groups to to participate in their ceremonies are you finding there's people from all over the place or it's mostly uh people from you know the the nearby countries oh for for example the 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 last time I went to this Escawata Kayawe festival, there was twenty five different nations. Wow, twenty five. Uh, there was Japan uh, and people from all over. Australia, my friend, we make a good friend. Uh, Australia, James, James from Australia, he was with us. A musician also, and. So basically, I see the, the the indigenous now. It is a it's a big talk, but now it's the resurrection of the the indigenous culture. This resurrection is because of people needs the medicine, Westerns and us, everybody. And now uh, medicine ayahuasca is not a taboo no more, and people are aware of this and the, the indigenous. It's not they're isolated in the jungle. Now they have WhatsApp, they have uh, internet in the village, so the access it's very easy, and they are bringing this uh, ayahuasca culture internationally. Now they traveling the whole world. My friend Mapu Hunikuin was in the Cannes Festival film festival. The indigenous from Brazil, it's amazing. All with his paintings in the canes with Leonardo DiCaprio yesterday. Wow. Yeah, like they are not now isolated in the jungle. Now they are like in the canes. They are like uh, in the ONU. They are, they have the voice. And with this voice, many people are around the world listening. And the people, yes. I want to meet uh, uh, indigenous. I want to meet uh, uh, ayahuasca. I want to. I need healing. Basically, people need the healing. They need to to experience the plant medicine. So the the message of the indigenous are spreading at the moment, as like it happened with the peyotismo a century ago in United States. The indigenous were losing their culture. 
the peyote came to unite all different tribes. So they designed a half moon festival, a half moon ceremony, sun dance, spirit dance. This ceremony is with the peyote saved all the culture of the North America indigenous. And now it's happening again 100 years ago where the ayahuasca in the jungle are saving the indigenous because they can have the voice because they have something everybody wants and they are the guardians of the forest. So there is a huge message behind them. There is the message that they keep a sacred word, a sacred wisdom. And this is the key to understand how to save the jungle, the forest, the importance. They live there and they have what we need now, consciousness for nature. Um, you know, so basically at this point, the, the, the indigenous now have some kind of power. And the, the, the evolution of the, the laws and the, uh, what we expect that uh, uh, these plants would not be illegal and will not be slayed by the system. So more and more of the indigenous people will go uh, to mainstream, you know, and this is good at some point. There is a... Uh, problems with this but uh, it's it's something huge it's uh it's so nice to hear such a positive narrative from someone that has their own cultural heritage with these plants because i to me as someone that much of my interaction with this issue is just seeing things online and so much of the things that people have to say online about indigenous people and their relationship with this psychedelic mainstreaming, uh, everyone is very worried and says a lot of bad things. So, you know, it feels really good to hear to hear that message. And I, I love the way that um, you draw parallels to the movement with the Native American church. I think that's, uh, yeah, it's, it feels nice to look at it like that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I believe now uh, I have been in the Amazon many times and uh, uh, I see that uh, the indigenous now, they are evolving to connect with our system and it's beautiful, it's beautiful. It's very beautiful. Especially the Huni Queen, they, I can't explain it. It's only joy. Mm, amazing, amazing. I uh, We've so far really only gotten into one of my questions. Normally, I'm very uh, cactus obsessed, and we've barely talked about cactus at all. And one thing that I really wanted to talk to you about, and kind of like, I want, I want to know more about your experience uh, and what it's like when you're going out into the field to collect seed uh, from from San Pedro in the wild. Uh, I, I I'm just like I can't help but romanticize. It sounds like a kind of a dream going on that adventure. So I, I wonder if you can kind of help me imagine what it's like. And on a, on a more practical level, I wonder how do you choose like which seed? Which seed is is what you choose to collect? <laughs> 
Yeah, <clears throat> so uh, it's really, really an adventure. It's uh, very nice. And so I live in Brazil, so I have an opportunity to always get a flight and three hours I'm in Bolivia, for example. Four hours I'm in Lima. So I had been traveling since 2011, basically every year um, to the Andes. And uh, during the COVID, of course, I, I stay in Brazil. But I was frequently traveling. And it's always an experience because for me, I always uh, looking for plants and, and culture. And I, I really like the, the archaeology. So basically, that all started with this. Uh, let's start like this, because um, uh, I was growing seeds since I was a teenager. I was buying internationally the San Pedro seeds. So when I was going to, to Peru for the first time, 2011, me and my best friend, Feja, we broke with our girlfriends that we had been <laughs> for a long time, <laughs> like five years. So we were uh, no more girlfriends. So we say, let's go to Peru. And then I start dreaming with Chavin. That's that's the, the story. And then the true story. I start seeing this Chavin designing my dream. And I mm. tell my friend, wow, I... I find a civilization where they drink San Pedro. Let's go. And we were from the Santo Daime Church. This best friend, we were every ayahuasca church side by side. And, you know, like this best friend you have in the ceremonies. And we friends since the teenager. We're very good friends. Now we have this land in Brazil together. We have a, 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 a beautiful land together. And... So when I start finding what is Chavin, uh, a Mecca of San Pedro, I, I had a dream with the Chavin. And then uh, in our tradition, as we, we make prayers, and I, I made a prayer before travel, and I say, I want to find a, a seat of San Pedro. And when I went to Chavin, the main the main Chavin, we were full Yopo. We were full Yopo <laughs> because we had Yopo, the rapé, the snuff from the Anade Nontela Peregrina. And me and my friends, we were like, uh, you know, like uh, taking a lot of the rapé of Yopo. So we were super high. <laughs> and then I saw this huge mother plant of the Tricoceros, um uh, inside the ruins of a few meters from the main structure called El Castillo. Mm. And then I was able to get uh, somehow the fruit. And I made uh, 1,000 plants, including AD002 that come from this harvest. Oh, whoa. Uh, by the way, if you're just listening, uh, I, Juan is showing me uh, a tissue culture of, of sorry, what, what, was, what was that, the clone? Uh, AD002. Mm, yeah, yeah, beautiful. Collect in 2011. From this, in this, in this, in this story, this and this story is the origin yes, story. This story, I collect these seeds. 
When I arrived in Brazil, many people wanted these seeds, so I shared these seeds. And I, wow, this is so nice. 2012, I thought the world were going to end because there was this people saying, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then uh, one month before travel, my friend said, oh, hey, I'm going to visit Taitalehu in Churakpamba. Yeah, the yeah. The famous plant, Churakpamba. Let's go. And I I had to make a quick uh, visa and passport. And then I went to to Ecuador because I thought to myself, ah, the world is going to end it. I go to the Ecuador. Good place to be. And then I, I went with some uh, also friends from the church of Ayahuasca Santo Daime to Ecuador to visit Taitalejo because... Taitalejo had been two years before in our church for the uh, San Pedro ceremony. This is one of the questions also that you 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 asked me um, uh, how how was the first uh, uh, San Pedro ceremony uh, mm -hmm. and how it is in Brazil also. In Brazil, the the uh, Santo Daime Church has a a. a, a uh let's say a connection with the Andean and North America traditions these own laws laws papers also so in in Santo Daime it's frequently that the shamans are invited indigenous to show their medicine it's a connection in uh with uh chiefs so basically, Santo Daime allow the the use uh, of San Pedro, and then Pedro Fajida, a friend, invited from Ecuador Taitalejo Valdivizio to our church. That was the first time I I drank San Pedro, and that, that's that. There is also a funny story because uh, there in the airport. Um, they they get the, the medicine of the Taitalejo, mm -hmm. his bottle of the drink of the San Pedro. And he was like uh, telling us, like, uh, uh, I have a vision that in the near future, there will be no possibility to travel with medicine because airports are getting very controlled and the laws and there will be no way for medicine men to carry the medicine over the world so you guys in brazil need to grow san pedro he say 2008 and he brought some cuttings for us mm -hmm. so back on that day i took this very serious i took this very serious you no know, i was like Ah, so yes, we need to have the these plants in Brazil. So, uh, when I traveling to Peru, I collecting seeds and some clones because we we were thinking about the our sustainability of the plant here. If something happens, there is no way to bring, uh, no way to travel. The restriction of laws of the system. So that's the point that we started planting here with the blessings from the Taita because he said to us, you guys need to plant. You need to be sustainable. 
because uh, if you your tribe need medicine, you need to grow it in future. There will be no way to ship, send, or travel with this because it's controlled. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that was always an adventure. Uh, when I first traveled to Peru, I was all, already with this perspective. I need the seeds. I need it to collect. But we went there in July. July is not the season to harvest, first time. But there was a single fruit. A single fruit Magic. that we everything started with this fruit. And 2012, I I went to live in Ecuador for a few months. So there, I also find some fruits uh, from the the cactus. And yeah, always uh, beautiful because uh, at this point it's an expedition. But the in the beginning was not expedition. Was like a I traveling more to to live uh, the culture and experience the cactus. In Peru, we we stay with also shamans, uh, a woman named Selva, in the sacred valley who, who gave us instructions how to prepare. In Ecuador, I was always uh, at this shaman house, so it's not a tourism. It's like a going direct to the source. Uh, it's not like uh, walking around or not advertised or something like that. No, no, and uh, and the Taitalejo in Shurak Pamba, he lives in a house like almost four hundred years old. It's uh, a natural heritage house uh, from the government, or uh, even Ecuador government have papers of this. Uh, he lives in a very old farm. And his traditional shaman of San Pedro, that we had the connection with our church, and so there we we list and we learn and we we understand uh, how to work with the plants and, and the ethics is ethics of plants and th- there is a way there is a way. And uh, ethnobotany also teaches, this is very important, that uh, the use of plants is secure by traditional knowledge. So if you basically living with a chaman or medicine man, how we say, uh, with uh, a respect uh, for his village, he's respected, he has a family, He's worked with this for many generations, his father, his grandfather. That's a sign that is a good way. That uh, It's not uh, like uh, uh, that you go in Cusco and someone say, hey, do you want to drink San Pedro? Uh, we have a group, you know. It's different. It's always good to find these real people and there's real people are really in this far, far away places. It's not uh, very touristic. Uh, you need to, to go to the good places to find uh, uh, this knowledge still very pure. And then how do, how do people find how do people find that besides just going far away? Is there anything that people could look out for or, or avoid uh, yeah. maybe? Yes, it's the medicine circles. Mm-hmm. Medicine circles. Once you you take part, for example, 
in a group that is drinking ayahuasca. And then sometimes they invite a shaman. For example, now I have uh, uh, my friends from Chavin. They are in Australia for months now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And from true Chavin shamans, they are now in Australia and they're working and they're sharing their knowledge and they make uh, cleansings and healings and therapy sessions. So when people have these groups, they uh, at the end, they get the connection with the... And Cecilia from Chavin, our uh, grandmother, the shaman, uh, the spiritual leader of that uh, place. So she invites you, oh, if you want to come. Uh, and then you, you, you met someone. And this is really happening inside the circles. And then you find that everybody's connected. Mm -hmm. And then you connect to anyone in New York, and then you connect with the, the friends uh, in Guatemala, and, and there, there's a family, a Quatli from Mexico. Once you start connecting with all these people, there is the, the, the clear way that you can go like, uh, oh, I can visit the Amazon. And is, is there a, a maybe any red flags, you think, like someone that's completely new, they don't know any connection. So, you know, they're very vulnerable to maybe someone taking advantage of them and inviting them to a situation that doesn't have this same uh, connection. Is there any tips for how people can be be safer in their choice? Yes, the, the tip is always try to find real chiefs. Uh, real chiefs uh, that uh, um, are respected for their job. So, for example, the Cambo, the frog medicine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, in United States, like Australia, their people, they say they are uh, servers of a Cambo. They have a, a word for that, I forget. This is something that you should avoid. Facilitator? Is that the word you've Facilitator. Uh, yeah, classic, classic. Uh, especially, uh, so they, they, most of them, they had never, yes, for sure, some real stuff, some real people. But there is some, for example, they, they listening to videos or they went to Combo Pressioner School that exists with this name. Uh, or they make workshops in Washington or or um, whatever California, and they start serving the this poison. And basically, they are not uh, herbalists. They are not uh, people work with medicine, but they are like uh, um, flowing on this wave that is happening on the astral. The, the things on the surface of what we're living now. Mm -hmm. So this is something that we should avoid. Our people, for example, in Brazil, what I say to my friends to avoid, new churches. In Brazil, it's legal. I can make my Chavin Herbalist Church. It's legal. I go to the lawyer and I ask him to, to make the papers for me for an ayahuasca church. As like we have a DMT church in Brazil and we have a mushroom church in Brazil. 
So by the law, you can be secure to use this plant if you have a church. So basically now it's a boom of church in Brazil, of ayahuasca. This mm. is very dangerous, really dangerous, even in Brazil. So sometimes I say to friends that are willing to start uh, going to the sermons of ayahuasca, sometimes I say to them, go to church, legalized uh, and church uh, that uh, traditional, Santo Daime. Don't go to the church of the rainbow nature, Pachamama loves you, that had been founded last month. Mm -hmm. And this is happening now in last year, I believe Brasilia near my city died two guys in ayahuasca ceremony, ayahuasca ceremony, mm. they die. The church were new church with new leaders. So there is a, a, a problem with the, the plants that some people can take it by advantage and they can do it as a business or a job or their ego mind so they, they think they can start uh, opening their, their ayahuasca. But if something happened, they are, are not trained or they are not able to help people as a, 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 a person of the Amazon had been uh, prepared since he, he was born to deal with uh, spiritual problems, whatever. And it's... It's uh, uh, beyond understanding because it's all spiritual, physical together. But I, uh, what I advise is always finding connection with people that are legit. And you search, you search, uh, you you going to a peyote ceremony. Uh, who is this Mexicans? Where they come from? What... Uh, what's their ethnic so this is really important because now with this opening of the ceremonies as like cacao ceremony every weekend here in my city cacao ceremony with uh, uh, people mixing mantra ayahuasca song uh, umbanda songs uh, so mixing everything and everybody's doing this so there is popping, popping people working with medicine. People need to take care, not to go with um, on the vibe, looking for legit people. Yeah, I guess the the trick is really just you're looking for like lots of endorsements from lots of different people that are saying they're good, rather than just going with the first thing you find. But I, I maybe an. Uh, an advantage of being it's like a i guess pros and cons i guess but in brazil where you have this kind of legal movement it's a lot easier to get these endorsements i think a challenge in australia for people that are new uh is because no one is wants to talk about it uh if someone is new they no one will give them an, any endorsement so they just go they're very vulnerable to anyone that is offering you know uh yeah yeah, yeah. This is the what is happening with the tourists in Peru also. This is very common in Peru, uh, the, uh, the ayahuasca tourism. So the, you want to experience 
but uh, you don't have the background. So for you, it's like an experience that you want to try. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. for us that had been Santo Daime, it's something really, really respected that uh, we won't do with <laughs> a, a touristic place, you know. So we had the idea that this is really deep and opens a portal and, and you need to have uh, your space really taking care of people that you trust to have this uh, ayahuasca experience. So people doesn't know this. I work uh, here, had been many ceremonial Westerns and they they don't they don't understand uh, some things because it's don't belong to their culture. It's easy to understand for me that uh, it's very different for them. Uh, for me, I have this connection with plants since I was born here, but for for people coming from United States, for example, they don't know some ethics uh, about how to to move yourself or how to to pray or how to uh, control your energy and make something things very difficult for them because they they don't have this school of Santo Daime. Because when I started in Santo Daime, it was like a school. Mm-hmm. When I then start drinking Yage, uh, DMT, other kind of stuff, I was already aware how to, to work with the brain. That's the, the point. And people can freak out, you know, sometimes if they are not uh, prepared for the, the experience. And if you're, they are in a place not safe, it's a problem. They're vulnerable for this. Yeah, I think uh, it sounds like, in many ways, a beautiful situation in Brazil because there's both uh, this uh, legal dimension, which is incredibly important to give people a sense of safety, but then there's also this cultural container. And I think that's the other risk is when people have experiences and they don't have a way to make meaning of it. Uh, and it's it can just make unexpected things happen, you know, because they don't know how to, they don't know what it means. So it's going to, they're going to figure it out some way. And it might be surprising. <laughs> uh, it's crazy because people don't tell you they crazy. <laughs> oh, no, no. They I don't mean... tell you <laughs> because sometimes welcome people, they're new to the ayahuasca. We frequently ask them, do you have problems? Do you any mental issue? Are you take control um, any substance uh, in, in action your your brain, nervous system, and depressive? And they never tell you. <laughs> That's the issue. Yeah, it's uh, not a good surprise. And so, yeah. It sounds like uh, there has been like so many important San Pedro in your life throughout your journey. I wonder how do you choose which which clones go in your garden? What's how do you make that? It's a big decision, right? There's only so much room in the ground. You have to make hard choices. Yeah. So yeah, that that that's the point because uh, basically we wanted the the sh- the the shamanism because we we belong to this uh, tribe uh, working with plants. So 
first was Chavin because uh, Chavin was the Mecca and I dream with Chavin all night and that was the the first uh, cactus that uh, I wanted to 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 know more about and then I went travel to Ecuador we brought many genetics from Ecuador the aguacoya it's different it's different it's same species uh, it is very different mm-hmm. and then when I started working with the Chavin herbalist uh, as a seed list a seed shop that were when we start um, collecting not only for uh, specific shamanic uh, reasons but for diversity mm-hmm. because when I I first met Ainur and I, I I talk with him so we started collecting seeds from all over the the Ankash and then I I select some of the types that we we wanted to share uh, because of the special qualities like Cajamarca. So I finance uh, expeditions to Cajamarca. And in the beginning of Chavin Herbalist, we also were working with seeds produced by our medicine crew. That was basically what we were talking about. So if you remember uh, my first uh, genetics, like, um, uh, for example, from the Sacred Valley, Peruviano Sacred Valley, mm-hmm. come from Selva, the, the shaman that teaches to brew San Pedro. And some other families that I had been in contact during my travels, they were the first sources. And in Ecuador, the same. So I have my, my friends from the medicine circle, Vision Quest, for example. Vision Quest one, two, three, came from Jaime, that is, is a medicine man from Ecuador, working with the Aguacoya. So I designed the Chavin Herbalist as a, 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 a tapestry weave it, weaving by the circles. So we have the, the, the seeds from Ecuador, from our medicine circle. We had the, the seeds from the Sacred Valley from our, our medicine circle. And then we have the seeds from Ankash, collect with partner Ainur, from that uh, Asian sites, uh, places. I always were looking for the, the varieties with background from Wankabamba, from the, the markets where the, the cactus, but also as I am biotechnologist, I know the importance of diversity and I like diversity a lot. So we selected the, the varieties, not only Santaenses, but we every village we collected, we, we divided the seeds. So Chavin, Warimayo, Wari, uh, for people to have like this genetic uh, bank with this information, 
where the plant comes from. It's not only the species, but you have a small register where it was collected. And so it was this mixture of the, the varieties uh, used by our people, our family, our tribe, with the connection with people gathering seed. Because once it started as a business, I also start managing to buy seeds from someone who posts on Facebook, uh, on the cactus group, uh, or friends of mine, or always um, telling people, you know, I work with these as like, I now work with the fruits, seeds, you know, like, ah, do you live in this place? So please, uh, do you have access to these seeds or... This is was how I was uh, collecting, also traveling, going to the places, but not only me, but I, I, I have a connection of many people collecting the seeds. Then it's a group. Mm, it's a beautiful thing. And now, now in Bolivia, I had been in Bolivia last month and I had met Diego uh, from Limani Trek, and he was also a friend in uh, Facebook. So I went to visit him and he was also interested on how to work and trade with the seeds. So my work is also uh, going and giving people information and also telling them that you can work with these, with nature, collecting seeds. And uh, it's not only I, I buy, I buy, I buy, but no, I, I like that people can empower themselves also say so. I say, uh, why won't you sell this also? This is, this is the price. Uh, you can resell it. You are from Bolivia. You can collect more species. And so I had been training people also in, in these places to, to work for us. And also they start working for them. And it's uh, the way that we have to, to show people that they can have abundance with nature. So what's your preferred technique for dealing with a shitload of cactus seed? What like, you know, I know there are, you know, so many ways to skin a cat, but if you've got, you know, 20 fruits, what's your, how do you want to deal with that? How do you want to get your seeds out? What's your, what are you going to do? Uh, th this is, uh, there is two techniques that I mainly use. Now. One is the bucket with water. Yeah. You, you remove all, all the cactus poop put on this bulk and slowly the poop uh, detached from the seed and then you filter. But sometimes you travel in main the mountains, you don't have a structure, you can get uh, all this dry method that works fine also, that you just uh, stitch the, the poop in towel, uh, pop, uh, paper towel. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't glue, so um they dry and the seeds are dried but uh you need to take care for fungus and stuff it's crazy because one sometimes you're traveling in expedition so you have a huge material amount uh you can't imagine this only when you are in a room with a hundred of fruits and then you you need to move to a city to another so uh you need you can use both techniques 
sometimes you don't have a bucket in a hotel, a, there are lots of water, you are in a small village. So you can use this dry and then you make sheets. I make sheets with the, the, the dry fruit. And then sometimes when the fruits comes, uh, seeds arrives in the laboratory, we still clean them with um, uh, water peroxide. Um, uh, one spoon for a liter, that means four milliliters and 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So for fruits, generally we clean the seeds for some cactus also because um, talking about this expedition, sometimes you need to get the, the fruit and then uh, they start molding. So you need to clean. There is a lot of things can happen. You know, it's not a very romantic that we think there's some kind of uh, difficult that you're going to when traveling with uh, material and leaving fruits and stuff. Uh, especially if you collect a lot, like uh, it's when pretty it's nasty. It can get very smelly. Yeah, and sweet and sweet. Uh, the the San Pedro fruit, it's sweet. Yeah, I've had some uh, that, uh, and I like. I mean, presumably, some maybe some got infected or something. But I have this really memorable batch of seed that I dried, and it just smelled like incense. It smelled so delicious, but I've never yeah. had another batch that smelled as good. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's the 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 point also. The the we as humans, we still can work maybe to develop. Um, as compared with less seeds or to for the fruits for maybe these fruits have medicinal properties. Uh, and yeah, so, I, uh, I spoke to a, a, a fellow recently that told me a very interesting tale of making tinctures out of the flowers and people. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I thought I thought that would that was interesting, but yeah, I think there's a lot of. I also know of a, a fruit that uh, tastes really good. I have a friend that's trying to breed for for the flavor, uh, but yeah, there's so much, so many cool things you can do. But your focus is on this for the most part, like shamanic lineage, right? That is that, yeah, is that yeah. That's my my idea. Fruits, I have a lot of tropical fruits. Yeah, you have a lot of delicious things going on. Yeah, I have a pitaya collection, dragon fruit, um, twenty varieties. And, and what I about have many many plants here? And what about um cactus that uh besides San Pedro? Is there anything that you're passionate about in particular? Peyote. Oh, of course, yeah, silly question, <laughs> silly question. Yeah, yeah. Well, tell me, well, tell me, what what excites you about peyote at the moment? What what's uh what's in your mind ah, on that topic? Morning. Yeah, it's very beautiful. Tell ceremony. me, tell me more. Ah, it's Native America with fire circle. You drink, uh, you eat peyote powder, and they make prayer for water. And ceremony is a time particular you have to open your heart. So you pray for your mother, your father, your brother, your sister. This is the, the opportunity you have to, to connect with this spiritual side. And then you have this power of the medicine in your blood and your skin start these reactions and 
It's very beautiful. And the music uh, with the water drum. And then you pray with tobacco, cotton, cleansing. So the ceremony designed for many, many things happening. Uh, it's so there you are in the middle of nowhere, drinking psychoactive cactus, uh, giving thanks for your life. And this is really beautiful. <laughs> And and how is that uh, in terms of, because I presume there might be a time where that is something that you desire, you feel you want that experience, right? For whatever reason, you're just at a point in your life and you're like, this is, this is the thing. I'm wondering how might that be different to when you have this, have, an, have another desire for San Pedro? I'm, I'm trying to think of where the, different places in your life of, of, of those those plants and those experiences? Uh, the, the plant medicine is always come uh, when we need. So good answer. Good answer. Um, work with the plants here sometimes. Uh, people come to me and they say, ah, can you tell me more and stuff? And so sometimes... Uh, uh, they come to me and I'm looking for it. So we have to to prepare medicine, help people also. So I don't really like to work with humans. I am not a medicine man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a researcher, a gardener. I prefer plants to humans, definitely. Yes. <laughs> I don't open ceremonies because I know the responsibility of it is... But um, as a guardian of the plant, sometimes happens that people come in special conditions, especially depression. And um, there is a case of a friend of mine who was diagnostic with cancer. Mm. So I, uh, he came to me and asked, uh, do you think San Pedro can help me? And I say, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You do like this and... I, I teach him how he would work. And after one month drinking the medicine of San Pedro, he, he was uh, more accepting his condition um, and his battle. So if you ask me, San Pedro cure his cancer? I say no. But uh, San Pedro helped him to, to battle the depression uh, helping to to look a uh, 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 perspective where he he can uh, fight the cancer, and he he survived. He now very good. Oh, nice. Uh huh. He so some sometimes uh, we work with the plants. The some things happens, you know, and we as guardians we. We can give advices or we can show some natural uh, ways of uh, working with plants and diseases and stuff like this. And um, plants always come to me. Now, San Pedro is my favorite since I'm very young. And I hear it's every day work with San Pedro because I have the seeds going every day to somewhere in the world and and we we often make his 
prayers and we drink San Pedro also with friends and make music. It's always together. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh ah, it's such a nice nice story. I uh I I I I just wonder only because this is in my uh, my understanding of of peyote always the second thing I think then is conservation because obviously in the wild there is not heaps of peyote that uh, or at least there's a dwindling number and uh in lots of public land there's not a whole lot is How are these communities uh, impacted by that, or or trying to deal deal with that? Yes, uh, the 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 peyote it's a, a issue that uh, it's getting extinct. Yeah, because mostly over harvesting and also land clearing. It's mostly right? in reality, it's for the losing of land for yeah. cities. I see, I saw the same now in Bolivia with Bridgesi. Oh, really? We talk later, yeah. But uh, in peyote, for example, as we were talking now, uh, when the their ceremonies here in Brazil, for example, the ceremony that I take part is inside my church. So it's a legalized, full legalized ceremony. And we as church, we have the, the right to invite different chiefs from different uh, people. So when we have the, the peyote ceremony here, for example, this year came the Wiharika Huichol from Mexico. And he is allowed in his tribe to go to another country, especially to another church. to take the medicine and doing the, the, the ceremony. Um, some groups still harvest wild, but there is still, they say there is still a lot where they live. Man. And in their region where they live, they harvest, uh, it's protected farms, places, where they told me there is uh, a good amount of plants that they keep for them. So there is a, a production of these plants in situ, that means in nature, where there are controlled populations from communities allowed legally to consume, trade and travel. This is a point. From the other point, the Texan, Tex, Texas, my friend from Texas, Quatli, uh, they grow. So he showed me his farm. It's a huge farm, peyote. This friend, uh, medicine man, his medicine he grows. And so for these cases where there is uh, communities Uh, connect with people working with the medicine in the traditional way, there's uh, like there is opportunity to have this harvest uh, in a good way, let's say like this. 
Um, besides what we see is that uh, there is a commerce of the peyote powder, and there is a tourism in Mexico that helps to population uh, goes extinct. So there is two faces of the same word duality. Mm -hmm. One is the harvest for spiritual use. Because once a spiritual leader comes to South America, he makes money for his community. He brings uh, jewelry, uh, art crafts. If people buy, he takes money for community. So the woman that is there weaving will receive money. So medicine men nowadays had been traveling the whole world because they bring uh, resources to the community. So it's a way for these communities that live in, in a very harsh environment, in a very difficult condition. I will not say poor because they're really rich. They have land, they have cactus, <laughs> they have a lot of plants, but they have a difficult financial condition maybe for uh, going to a doctor. So this is the duality that we need to understand that uh, uh, there is uh, people working with these plants and there is not uh, uh, forbidding or is not illegal or is not something that we should avoid uh, 100%. But as we're talking very much today, there is lineage of indigenous still working as same way as hundred or thousand years ago. And these people is the people that we need to look with our eyes and maybe connect like the huicho in Mexico. So who am I, a poor Brazilian boy, a man, to say that a, a huicho, a, a indigenous huijarica can't serve peyote? I'm nothing. I am just uh, telling you this perspective from a person that take part on circles and know what is happening. And so, but the same way that exists these people traveling, exists this guy playing guitar, harvesting peyote and selling the gram or traveling to to Australia, making ceremonies, and he's white, and are traveling to um, United States, and there is these two uh, different uh, kind of uh, people collecting, people collecting in traditional way, people collecting uh, new age, new age, yeah? so. But it's a problem that we're gonna face on future. For this problem, there is only one solution. It's not a ban the use of peyote, but a legalize indigenous territory. Do you remember that two years ago we had the movement? Wirikuta no se vende, Wirikuta se defende. It's a saying in Mexico because there was a mining. That uh, in was Wirakuta. about yeah. to destroy the sacred <laughs> So we don't, we 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 can't uh, put our eyes on the entheogenic uh, uh, people or the psychonaut 
and say, ah, you can't take this peyote, you can't take part of the ceremony. We must fight against the big fish. That's the oil company, the mining, the government, because the land they are taking, it's um, proportionally, it's what taking all nature out of the planet. Yeah, I, I find it uh, really interesting and obviously a very um, politicized topic and a lot of people with very strong opinions. Uh, and I, I, you know, I always want to know more about it, but I guess I'm at a point where I, I, I kind of try not to have an opinion, not because I really care about it and I want to know what the best thing is to do for the plants. But when I live so far away, I don't, I've never seen peyote in habitat, you know, so like, how do I, I can't, I, I feel like I can't even comment, but I watch and I'm interested particularly because, you know, it's, uh, peyote has been around or in the public eye for a hundred years now. Um, but in Australia, uh, acacias are only just now coming into the public eye and the relationship between, you know, First Nations Australians and acacia I, I, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a hundred years down the track, you know, so it's, uh, the journey is only just beginning. And I wonder, I wonder, yeah, what, what, how it will look compared to peyote. Yeah. It's a crazy situation. That's why we now must fight for the freedom of the plants, freedom of the coca leaf. The organization, nation, united, ONU, it's a big lie. They have been forcing us in South America to prohibit sacred plants. So what we expect in the future, it's that this fake word mask fall down. That we can live in harmony with our sacred plants in a way that we have no fear to have a sacred garden of acacia, of coca leaf, of ayahuasca, is our right as human beings to be in contact in our beliefs. This is our right as a human. So this is what we must fight now as like ganja that had been illegal for so long and now rich country it's legal poor country south america illegal mm. black in jail indigenous in jail rich man in the north rich making money here illegal so in the world that we live in now it's uh, there is uh, different laws for different countries, and uh, there's there is a, a way that we need to fight now to have this right of our plants to grow freely. Imagine coca leaf. Coca leaf is the most example. Is the most incredible plant in the whole plant kingdom. It's full in iron, it's full in vitamins. It's very good for your health, for your blood, for your hair, for your skin, for your liver, for your guts. 
It's a, a, it's a plant that had been a gift from the gods, from nature for us. There is no reason for you to, to forbidden a plant so powerful. You know, you're not going to make illegal sugar cane because it gives you alcohol. Why make coca leaf illegal? Because it takes you producing coca and doesn't make sense. The prohibition, it's a cultural oppression for the indigenous culture. It's not about the plant being poisoned or being bad or being good. It's politics. It's politics. So uh, I believe that we now facing this new world, as you say, with the, the acacia and the, the new world, flashlights can be for good, for good, because we're going to fight for that. Uh, we have science now, uh, like CBD, cannabinoid system, that was basically unknown 20 years ago, and everybody now says CBD, CBD, THC. This was fucking illegal. 10 years ago, I could get 10 years in jail in Brazil with one joint. Now it's not so difficult, not so problem, but uh, everything is changing. And this change, we are part of this change. So we need to fight for this plan to not put the acacia in a red flag, for example. So like people can ban acacia, for example, in a, a country or Cretan or any of these plants or political situation. We have seen this also with Kava Kava. Why Kava Kava is illegal in many countries? Because in France, they make papers suggesting that it causes cancer on liver. But in Fiji, Hawaii and all the island where it grows native, there is not even a case. Mm. So the system always will control our resources, the chemical, biological. Once uh, we put this also Wachuma on the, the mainstream, it can be also dangerous because uh, people can... Uh, use that information in a bad way or understand it as, as a new drug or a new dangerous substance and not based on science but based on politics hmm. uh, I, I love your your message man it's so good and i feel that I don't know. The message I want to send is very similar, but I feel it's more powerful coming from you. And the reason is because you have the cultural container, you know, it's all the meaning is for me, it resonates more in your story because, you know, you grew up in this church, you live in like a planned paradise with all of these different cultures at your back door. Uh, I think it you know you th that means now you understand this plant diversity and you can just rattle off 
these examples and these plant stories and you know i can i've got plant stories too but it's different it's different when you're you're just living and breathing it you're in you're with the plants it's uh, i love it so much I oh I, I almost feel guilty now because uh some I, I want to ask all my like psychonaut questions which feel a bit like naughty and uh you know less less serious but uh, I, I do want to ask you mentioned Carver have you um played around with it much as like a, a Maui to using it in as a in a kind of ayahuasca analog type thing or anything like that uh no Carver was for the anxiety anxiety and depression uh, qualities that I was growing. Um, I got my plant from Frankfurt Botanical Garden. It's a real cava. And it's one of my favorite plants. It's a beautiful plant. And for you to understand, in Brazil, we have this uh, spirituality. And in my belief, in my spiritual world, the plant has a spirit. In plant, every plant has a spirit. So the the spirit live inside the plant. So I want to have friendship with the spirit of the plants. So I grow the plants basically for us to to be friends. And sometimes I go to the plant, cave, I look to her, I say, Oh, you are very beautiful, I love you. And now we're trying to propagate it and to for these medicinal properties. But basically, most of the plants in the garden are not taking them, or because I have so many. I have cat, I have sneak witch, morning glory. I have the whole collection of ethnobotany. But uh, I had the experience of all them, but I'm not in taking them frequently, but I like to be with them. I have I like to to be with their spirit it makes me very happy and being able to share the plant also makes me happy so kava kava basically it's under a project of micropropagation but it's really difficult so I I was not success in doing clones in vitro but my 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 idea is that I can one day to produce kava kava for my my friends my tribe and that's uh and it's a really rare plant in brazil i believe i'm the only one maybe another two person have kava in brazil so it's really important to have a, a production of this plant for us to have this sustainability of the the medicine here for future psychonaut for example if they want to try it's a maui or or people with depression will need the roots. So my idea is that there's botanical collections like ARC, where either the medicines are being protected and for future people also can have this in Brazil or the Cava Cava is more for this uh, uh, plant collection. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, sorry, I couldn't couldn't help but ask. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love the Cava. <laughs> It's one and, of my favorites. And you've got a you harvest it by the roots too, which I always imagine sounds like you've got to kill a bunch of plant to, right? Like it's not easy to just cut off a little bit. Do you know? The cover. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you consume yeah, the root, right? Yeah. From what I heard, when the plant is like seven, ten years, it's like the fading. So it's time for you to to make clones and 
and get the root. So I think it's a, a natural process. Oh, okay. That after five to ten years, the plant itself start to decline and grow less and so that's the time for you to make new clones and get the root so oh that's nice a... i'm glad there's a sustainable way to go about it yeah because once you cut the plant you if you want to keep uh cultivating you should uh yes uh doing the the clones with the the, the branches that's what I, I saw they do in Fiji, basically that they grow the the plant when they make five to seven years, the plant start like um, less beautiful and start their process to decline. They collect because the roots you collect for the medicine and the aerial part, you can make the clones because you don't use the, the, the branches. Yeah, nice. And um, I wonder, in maybe within the context of your church or otherwise, have you um, tried the acacia? I smoked once. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And My do you have any reflections? Ah, very beautiful, beautiful lights, uh, energy, colors, different. That's the point uh, because uh, every crystal dimity i tried it's different i i tried already um, mimosa stilis and the psychotra redis and the acacia which they all do you, different. Know? do you know which acacia uh um i don't remember i don't remember it's a friend of mine he he has a son in australia he had a ex-wife Australian so he frequently goes to Australia and he also worked with plants and he brought the, the crystals once mm, nice one. but I, I don't remember this piece I don't, don't know what uh, was obituzifolia maybe, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. maybe wow. or, or um, yeah, but I, I'm not sure I don't remember very well. but was very clear crystal very nice. uh, yeah because uh yeah jurema mimosa you get sometimes uh amateur extraction this yellow crystals you know yeah sure sure more more gooey. the one i got from acacia was really clear very beautiful yeah nice nice um Another another tangent, but something on my list of things I wanted to talk about. Uh, you mentioned when we spoke that you're a musician. And I wonder, does that have any kind of particular connection for you and, and this kind of special plant space? You know, I know, obviously, Icaros is an example of a traditional function of, of music. Uh, is there anything special um, like that for you? Yeah, I'm uh, playing only medicine music. I oh, okay. only know music, uh, medicine. Very, I very relevant. Uh, San Pedro. Because when you you make part of a circle and your friends are all musicians, 
and with the medicine ayahuasca san pedro you will start to develop the the music uh, uh passion because basically the ceremonies are music most of time so we playing guitar i have charango from the andes uh 10 strings also play the charango and it's very nice in the ceremony because when you you drink medicine and you play music it's like you're transported to to another dimension it's really different when you are in your seat during the ceremony and you need to to think and you need to <laughs> to ingest the medicine the effects but if you're playing it's like you're serving so your mind is really focused on the music and singing and gives you strength it's very very nice um, the medicine helped a lot for you to to understand music and, and play and not be so shy because a music is part of the medicine and everybody is invited to take part. Even if you, you don't know very well, like me, I'm not very good at music, but uh, I like play with my music and my friends because I'm not the best in music. <laughs> but my friends very good. They invited me, you know. And sometimes ceremonies, you are always invited to, to sing. So especially on the, the ceremonies of the peyote and San Pedro, that you strictly can sing their songs. In the San Pedro ceremony, the peyote, you have to know the song you're singing. So at, uh, when you're part of the circles, you have these song books where you learn and your friends always teaching you these songs. It's part of the culture connected with the plant that uh, everybody's spreading the music and it's a way that connect many people also very nice. Awesome, awesome. I uh I have another potentially um naughty question just cuz it's it's a pet it's a pet area of interest and I feel like maybe you have some insight maybe not. But any uh thoughts on preparing san pedro conveniently or or appropriately um and and i wonder if along those lines uh, i know two common themes people are always talking about like things that they might want a recipe for besides just being easy is how uh, like how how different recipes might relate to potency or how different recipes might relate to nausea do you have any any thoughts on that yes yes i have for uh for this, uh, I would like to start uh, saying that there is different purpose of uh, the medicine. So in my experience traveling in the Andes, I saw that uh, there is uh, different things that you have in mind when you prepare the medicine uh, or, or the ceremony design. So for example, if you have an issue that you need cleansing, you're going to prepare a San Pedro in a way. 
if you want to have a, a extract flight, how we say, like experience in colors, strong, few, very, the, the masculine, we prepare another way. If you have a disease, you need to heal, you make a diet, you need to drink it 45 days, the medicine, we prepare another way. So the medicine is prepared in the perspective of the circle of how we're going to work with the medicine. In this context, we have different uh, ways to prepare medicine. I have a medicine I prepare very, 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 very strong, 25 milliliters, 12 hours. It's it's almost uh, chemistry. <laughs> we had done so many times, so we have a, a, a preparation methodology. So this is only the, the, the green skin, no white part. We cook four days, seven hours a day. Then we put all the, the medicine we had been cooking four days and reduce it for a honey-like uh, uh, it's like a, almost solid. This is very, very, very strong. So when we make ceremony, one cup, this is enough for the whole night or maybe two after six hours. So this is a way we prepare the medicine very strong, very strong. I, I, I and my friends, we invented this methodology based on the, the way we learned in Peru, Cusco, with the shaman Selva, who was the source of uh, sacred valley seeds. Mm -hmm. And mixed with the ayahuasca Santo Daime straight methodology of producing ayahuasca. So we clean the whole house, we put Palo Santo, no sex, no drugs, no beer for the days, no party, no get out of house. It's like a full ceremony that we make uh, just like Santo Daime. So I make Santo Daime and uh, Andean tradition because in the Andes they put in the pan, in the fire and cook for many hours. <laughs> but I mix with the scientific methodology of Santo Daime to prepare my, my very concentrated medicine that we work. For example, if people are sick and they need to vomit, that we call it cleansing, the cleansing is also an aspect of the shamanism where the person passed through a, 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 a emotional uh, feelings and uh, they vomit and also vomiting. Like a, it's a way that you clean energy, get many things for out. So basically, if you need to make people clean, they, you need to prepare with a white part that mm -hmm. give you nausea. Mm -hmm. For example, this medicine I told you I prepare so strong, no nausea, no, 
because I'm a cooking five days praying to great spirit. Five days tabaco, five days chemistry speaking, you you preparing, taking everything that is bad out. It's only remaining masculine when you concentrate a lot. So with this concentrate medicine, no nausea. Always remember each people are different. I can't say that someone can have nausea because it's uh, every organism is different. But from our experience, we have only joy when we have this concentrate medicine. As well, it can be conserved for two, three years in the fridge, uh, the concentrate. Sometimes I made a not also concentrate, wachuma fermented. Fermented wachuma, you can't drink. Impossible. Impossible. Sounds Tastes pretty... horrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've smelt it. Can't say I've got any further than that. But if you make very, very concentrated honey, they don't get ferment. And you get a very pure medicine that doesn't cause nausea. But if you, as I say, have a... What, why you should clean eh, in the tradition? Maybe people listening. Why? Uh, cultural, speakly, uh, uh, it can be bad luck. You bad luck, uh, you lose your flight, your fight with your mother, you know, your wife has another boyfriend. Uh, you lose your seeds that you imported. This is all bad luck in the spiritual view. Mm. Or your business, you close your shop that you gave all your energy. It is very popular in the Andes. Like, so if you have this kind of uh, bad energy, you make these cleansings. So it is very useful on the medicine of San Pedro. They use a lot this as a sorcery, as a witchcraft. And so people often search for chamans, not only for cancer, but also if they are going to open a new business. So they drink San Pedro and the ceremony, they give you not a very strong San Pedro, but a, a light San Pedro. You understand? So... The potency or the way that the, the medicine is brewed or prepared, it depends on uh, the, the how you're going to use this. And um, of those kind of, you could, it sounds like you're talking about kind of two main groups, right? Or at least those two types of preparations. Uh, when the, as, as I heard it, it sounded like the whole plant less concentrated version was for when people needed to clean like it like needed to purge right and, yes. and 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 i wonder what type of situations do you think it's more important to have the purge experience uh it's a sickness if you seek or you having some disease a very mm -hmm deep also emotional because throwing away is also cleansing it's pure emotion mm -hmm. in santo daim we say this a lot because santo daim is very common 
during the, the, the ceremony, ayahuasca, you purge, né? It's mm. very common. É, we say in Brazil that it's not purges, é limpeza. Limpeza means cleansing. Yeah, it's a better term. Sorry, you're right, you're right. I can see why. <laughs> it's much nicer. So, this is the... If people really need this kind of uh, emotional or cleansing, this uh, whole plant medicine can work a lot also. If just... Um, light metal experience they give you this medicine but if you're working on a tribe or group with people experienced uh, with plants and entheogens and and you are in ceremony with a chief they usually they give you a good amount of strong medicine mm. because it makes part of transformation and eh? transformation Transformation is this feeling when medicine hit very strong. Brazil we say transformation because it's the time you have to transform yourself. When the masculine hits you very strong, your mind change, your body change, you know, your way of thinking, and the, the way you sing the word and the spiritual word change. It's transformation. So uh, the strong medicine gives you this transformation uh, opportunity. And the indigenous say, Escawata Kaiawe. Escawata Kaiawe is transformation. It's the energy the plant enters you, you observe the energy, and you transform yourself. So you can transform yourself through a cleansing, vomiting. You're taking away uh, uh, emotion that can be rooted because your father hit you or because your mother say you're ugly or because your older brother uh, don't like you or something really rooted inside you, you can take away. This is the opportunity that the, the sacred plants gives, the opportunity of uh, changing yourself. This can be strong medicine, uh, can be a light medicine, because also the potency of the plant, it's related with the people who is serving in the ceremony. Because I have seen ayahuasca ceremony with a very yellow ayahuasca, very middle, very light, and then it was really deep spiritual experience. You know, so it doesn't, uh, only necessary uh, a strong alkaloid medicine will give you the most perfect experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, um, I, I've asked most of what I wanted to ask you, and maybe we've kind of talked about this, but I wonder in this psychedelic mainstreaming crazy boom thing that the world is kind of starting to see what do you have any like what are your hopes and fears in 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 witnessing well, this my hope is that the indigenous voice can be heard so uh, the human culture, as like the aboriginals in Australia or the indigenous First Nations in Amazon, 
they were all based on psychedelic experience. Since the first mushroom was collected there by the Homo sapiens, we had evolved in psychedelic experience. But then many, many years came and there, here we are. We are city people. We are a civilization developed a high technology, but still exist people living with psychedelic experience. Who are these people? The same people that is doing this experience for a long time, indigenous cultures. So if we want to see the future, we must look at the past how our brothers and sisters, human beings, had developed the cultures using plants and how they can help us in this new transformation of our society, looking for a more connected world with nature. Because basically, the, the, the knowledge that the the indigenous people have is a key for understanding our consciousness and this is the the biggest healing it is why i'm working with the plants mainly because my message is that we need to change our consciousness there is only one way to change consciousness it's by psychedelic experience where we transform ourselves we see the word as one word, we see that we are part of everything and everything is part of us. That we belong to nature, that we are a, a, a family. Uh, all human beings are family because we have one planet, one mother earth. And one mother earth, one mother, lots of children. That's the concept that the plant give you, the, the, this community community together with nature and the way that our civilization now is destroying all the resources it's living fake news it's living in a world that there is poverty oppression the way that we use plants can help us to find our way back to nature. This gives us a, a healing because uh, we find ourselves a, a tribe, we find ourselves useful for something. Because sometimes doing office work, getting a car, going to an apartment, it's not what human was prepared by evolution. We are animals living in a planet with another animals and plants. So we have been far away from this connection. And then the plants give you these, you know, the, when you take the, the peyote and the, the, the ayahuasca, the San Pedro, you breathe and you give thanks. Oh, thank you, great spirit, I'm breathing. It's different than you toast a, a beer in a bar and say, go soccer or television so the mainstream culture it's bullshit 
bullshit bring us depression, sickness, disease. In other hand, if you have a, a been connected with nature, this give you some kind of happiness. Gives you uh, understanding of life and death also. So that's what I expect for the future is that, uh, that we learn from the ancient cultures how to work with these plants, how we can transform our societies and communities with respect with this knowledge. And my fear is they criminalize uh, our plants or my fear is that this boom of psychedelic com uh, communities open uh, retreats, open uh, hotels or churches where they can misuse the plants in a bad way or what I have seen a lot like the International Ayahuasca University from Spain, the completely freak guy who made an ayahuasca school, something like this. <laughs> and he's denied for all the indigenous of Kofa and people say, no, we, we never allowed him. So basically that's what oh, we fear that the magic of the plants and the, the herbalism and the, the, the knowledge goes to capitalism because people getting plants and a culture and knowledge and transforming it in a new age as like cacao ceremonies they invented this now and it's very popular but the maya there is no register that they make cacao ceremony to open the heart but now it's in tulum Every week, the most chick girls, the most cool boys, you know, they, the problem is that the, the society get uh, the indigenous knowledge, change it, and makes a product. So my fear is that the, this power and magic of the plants goes to the different way where um, what we were talking about, uh, people not aware of the customs or the culture uh, get victims of a system that offers them miraculous experiences, healings and beautiful visions and stuff like this. Mm. Because the healing process is painful. It's difficult. It's a transformation. It's getting your mask down, your you're flowering from the inner and some people want just the easy 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 beautiful way you know so what i expect is that uh, we can get a bridge between our advanced civilization with the ancestral <laughs> that would be great yeah it sounds amazing and then, so for people out there that are listening and want to support you or and want to support indigenous communities working with plants, 
and maybe particularly thinking around San Pedro, because that's, I think, a lot of people are particularly interested in in, in those plans. How, how do people help? What do people do? What's, and, and is there any, any, any resources or suggestions you have? Uh, basically, for me, people contacting me, follow me in the social media, uh, engaging to my, my videos. Now I have a YouTube channel. I have, I'm doing Trico series. It's a documentary series of San Pedro. Amazing. So I, I recorded the first episodes in Bolivia last month. Uh, maybe we're going to Ecuador next year. Uh, I'm going to Chile in a few months. Also going to travel to film for you guys. So I'm going to these places to get uh, images of the films and uh, the cactus. Beautiful. And this is a way people can get in contact with me by like my social media. They can watch my videos and say, oh, I like your video. This helped me a lot also. And of course, if people want to get the seeds that we work, we we always uh, happy to share. I'm trying to work a way that we have a, an office in Australia. So we drink to have um, shipping from Australia to Australia. We are already working with an office in Los Angeles, California. So all of our America customers, they buy our seeds and they they get shipped from uh, California. Now we're working to do the same with Australia, to have an office of our seeds in Australia so people doesn't need to import. But uh, it's always very nice when I people message me, especially if you grow some of our genetics. I really love when you tag me. <laughs> right. Are you post on the on the club or on the groups? This helped me a lot, my 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 feelings. Yeah. And any time if people want to know more, where to go to the Amazon, where to go to Peru, to Ecuador, they can message me also. There's there's a lot of people in the community in the past years. They message me a lot, a lot, a lot. You can imagine how many people message me. Oh, I'm going to Chavin. I'm going to Chavin. And I always, I try to answer everybody. And I say, oh, you can talk with this guy there. And I give them a contact like Cecilia is a chairman from Chavin, powerful woman. And I always tell them, oh, visit Cecilia or visit Esteban. So I always also supporting people who wants to travel to Peru or Bolivia or Ecuador. So if any anyone listening wants to, to, to know a little bit more, they can contact me direct by Instagram or email. At the moment, I feel really aware of divides within the psychedelic and ethnobotanical communities around plant gatekeeping. I feel there's a spectrum of opinions ranging from openness to secrecy, and Juan is definitely more towards the openness end. I think I'm more towards the openness end too. 
In the podcast description, I've also linked a paper I published a little while ago on consumers' preferred characteristics in people who provide psychedelic care and a video about this paper. I still don't have a very nuanced understanding of the chief type role Juan described, but this care of preference information might be a useful harm reduction tool for people trying to plan psychedelic experiences.